First Chronicles 29 is the takeoff of our text. Have you uh, noticed the things that uh, really become most important in our lives are simple things? Just simple things. I'm not talking about things that money can buy. You can do that. You say, well, I can't afford it. You can afford it for 60 days, you know. Put it on credit. It'll be 60 days before you start having to pay for it. But you can enjoy it for 60 days. Then have to give it up, but that's not what you need to do. In other words, there's very little that you cannot have. And the world today is grasping for things to bring pleasure to them. If I ask you this question, try this on through your introspection. And if I were to ask you this question and say to you, if you could have anything in the world, anything, driving to the depths of your heart, what would that be? What would you ask God for? God, if there's anything in the world that I could have, it would be this. Now, under this atmosphere, I dare to say that the majority of things you would really say, God, if I could have anything, wouldn't have anything to do with money. It wouldn't have anything to do with resources or position. In an atmosphere like this, it would have to do with things that are a real value, a relationship, a healing, an anointing, or something that only God could provide in the supernatural. And the things that matter most often have to do with relationships. Here's what we know about men, and we're going to talk about next week. Men want a successful, well-paying job. They like to know that, hey, I have a decent profession. I talked to a man the other day who, uh, who said, I, uh, I said, notice your, you know, your home. He said, yeah, I got laid off. I've never been laid off in my life. And he's mid-50s. He said, I've always, and all of a sudden, just laid off. He said, it's unbelievable. Women want a loving, understanding husband. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I'm going to give you two questions here. Women would like a husband. Okay. Now, women would like an understanding husband. It's good. Parents want a well-balanced, well-ordered family. Parents want children to follow after God. That's good. Grandparents appreciate family gatherings with grandchildren. Family gatherings. You, you guys come to the house, or you guys never come to see us. I'm going to write you out of your inheritance if you don't show up once in a while. You know? leave a rich christian heritage that's what we want as we understand those issues you notice that happiness not doesn't come from what's in our hand often what we control but it comes from a heart that is passionate about jesus christ our text finds david king david at the pinnacle of success in his life 
He climbed the ladder. No one could say, well, boy, you just made it to king because of your strength. No, he, he was a shepherd boy. He started out that way. He, uh, he became a government official and became a warrior. He was an individual that then became the king of Israel. And we find him at the end of his life, he has had a life that he has enjoyed to the fullest. He has experienced the sadness, the brokenness, and he's experienced the highest of acclaim. Saul's killed thousands, but David, David has killed thousands and thousands and thousands. Must have been something for his ego to be able to hear that. And he shares a picture that is absolutely beautiful. But we know that it's only beautiful, that his life as a whole is only beautiful, just like yours and mine, because of the grace and mercy and blessing of God. If you have life to live, and most all of you do have years ahead of you, take a moment and say, how do I plan to live those years to bring my best and put it at the feet of Jesus? To bring my best and give it to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you make it and have a testimony and have a legacy, you will learn something important, and it's this. Determine who is first. Say that with me. Determine who is first. Here David goes, 1 Chronicles 29, 1b, because this palatal structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. He knew what it was to ride that crest of blessing and popularity. He could have been possessive. He could have been selfish. He could have said, hey, I earned all of my blessing. I earned all of this, uh, all of this capital. I earned all these achievements. I earned them all, and they are mine. He could do like the guy the prodigal talks about and says, or, or the parable talks about, I want to build bigger barns. I want more and more barns. I need more places to store all of my wealth. And yet we know that he failed morally. Now listen carefully. God did not make David fail morally, but he gave him the opportunity to fail morally. But out of every failure, if we pay attention to God, God will give us a path back to full health and the Lord willing, because of his mercy, give us a better platform than possibly what we had before. Now, I'm not saying, well, I think I'll just go out and fail then. Uh-uh-uh-uh. How wonderful it is to be able to say, I have not had to travel that. But God allowed that to happen in order to give us a picture of what it means that we can learn that lesson. And there are lessons to be learned he was at the height, you know the story, of his success. He was king. He was feared by others. He had established Israel as one of the strongest powers. Israel was not known as a fighting force until David took them over, and they became known as warriors, individuals that belonged to God. He was up coasting along, and at this point in his life, he had no challenges. 
I mean, his warriors were on top of their game. He had a fine place to live. He had money. He had assets. He had everything at his fingertips. And at that moment, he had no real challenges to test him about who he was. And he became bored. So lest you say, God, I don't know what to do with all of these challenges. You might just want to take a few minutes and say, God, I'm sure thankful that you keep my back to the wall and you keep my life in a grind a lot and it causes me to depend on you more. You say, well, it doesn't me. It makes me want to give up God. If that's in your agenda, don't wait. Here, David, with the beautiful opportunity of life, he was at the pinnacle of ease. And friend, get this now. You cannot fall from the despair of a valley. Why? Because you're already down. You can't fall from when you're already down. You fall when you're at a place of height. You're at a place of success. You're at a place of blessing. David's failure, how he managed it, speaks to us tonight. How he got that miracle. Often you can't tell who is first in a person's life until at the finish line or the completion line. You find out who's really valuable, who's really important to you. And when the race is over, you can always find the answer who was really important. And that's true when challenges come your way. And you need miracle after miracle. God is saying, I want to know who's first in your life. I want to know how deep your faith is. I want to know if all the praise and worship you do really has any substance. I, I want to know that all the things you've thought about, believed in, and the way that you're raised, I wonder if you truly do believe it, or is this the one that's just going to push you over the edge? Is this the one that's going to make you quit? Is this the one that's going to cause you to give up? Is this the one that's going to cause you to change and, and to become angry and indifferent and anxious and stressful? Is that what's going to happen? Or is it going to do what God intends all of those things to do? Is it going to make you sweeter and more compliant and more available to God? And at the end of those challenges, you get to look at how you responded. And you get to ask yourself the question, how did I do? It was the moment in Daniel. You remember Daniel was told, don't pray, do not call on God, don't do it just for a brief period of time. And what did he do? He opened his windows, isn't that right? Opened his windows and said, I'm going to increase my prayer life. I'm not going to back away for this season. I want them to know in whom I believe. And he called upon God. And it cost him a near-death experience. But it proved to everybody else, it proved to everybody else observing Daniel's God, the reality of who God was in Daniel's life. So here's David. When you find out, even in his failure, how important God was, how did we find that out? In David's failure, we found out that when his life was tested, here it is, he did not rebel against God. He did not run away from God. I don't want anything to do with the church. The church failed me. Nobody called me. Nobody gave me anything. It's always the church. He did not make excuses. He did not become angry. He did not exert his power to try to override 
God. And when confronted by Nathan, David fell at the feet of the Lord in true repentance. Repentance is always our best friend. Always our best friend. 2 Samuel 12, 12 through 17. David knew that in any success or in any failure, he must always turn to God. God says, I want to do something great in you. I wonder if this challenge is going to cause you to decrease or increase in your relationship. God must be first no matter what we face in life. And at a time when David could have built a house for himself, of course, at this stage, and when he could have kept all of his possessions, he declared, hey, God's first. When nobody paid attention to me, when I sinned and I failed miserably, when I put ashes and sackcloth on, when I knew that I was out, when I committed murder and took someone else's life, still the grace of God came down and gave me another miraculous opportunity. Amen? God's first. Say that with me. God is first. Number two, stay focused from the heart. Stay focused from the heart. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work. And there are many, many things that can ruin and destroy your dreams. There are many things that can slow your progress, your forward progress down. And many have awakened after they've lost focus in their calling, in their intent, in their purpose only to find misery and shattered humanity because they failed to keep the fiery passion of their heart. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. That's the reason why I love him so. That's not a contemporary song, but it is a song of confession. Jesus you matter most. I'm still passionately in love with you. So what is it that the enemy endeavor to bring into your path at this stage in your life, at this stage in your ministry, to get you to lose that sweetness? The minute you hear yourself blame it on someone else, you are in trouble. We fail to look at why is this and to understand it. We understand David was known as a man after God's heart. Well, if he was a man after God's heart, how did he commit a failure? It was easy. He let his mind get out of whack. It was easy. He became bored. And when he could have been praying and seeking God's face and growing, he shifted to cruise control. I got it all. He'd be the first one to say, he'd be the first one to say, God is good all the time. He'd be the first to do that. But at this stage, at that moment, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. So wherever you're at tonight, you are the individual that will partner with God to move through. David knew through the 
that through the, though the whole world would be crashing around him, if he protected his heart, he could stay focused upon God's agenda. So what did he do when he failed? What did he do? Ran straight to God and fell down and said, I'm sorry. I'm protecting my heart. My heart is out of alignment. Proverbs 23, 7. He's the kind of man who is always thinking about the cost. That's a godly person. You and I have the power through the Holy Spirit to keep our heart focused. And here's how it is. Because we know the devil always roaming to endeavor to disrupt us, to sidetrack us. And oh, let me tell you something. He can come as an angel of light. Amen? An angel of light. He very seldom ever comes as a roaring lion, but as an angel of light. But you know what? If you're passionate and your heart is in tune, God will give you the spirit of discernment. I'm not talking the spirit of suspicion. Discernment is a deep-rooted factor. So here's how you keep that. Share your focus or your dreams with others. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word of God. Pray and seek God's face. Fellowship with those who encourage you. Keep your affections upon the focus of God's call. David shared his goal and his focus with the people. At this time, he said, folks, hey, I, I am an individual that you know I failed. You know that I blew it. You know that I'm undeserving. You know that I'm nothing but a, a dirty rag. But by the grace of God, through his blood, I have been redeemed by the grace of God. You saw how I repented. You saw how I knelt down. I didn't go to a self-help class, nothing wrong with that, and do point one, two, three. I got on my knees and my face, and I said, God, I am unworthy. I do not deserve this forgiveness. I humble myself in your holy presence. God said, I can partner with you. I can partner with you. In that, David shared his goal with the people, and his people respected a person who had made a mistake and failed and honored God and persevered with all of his might. There are only two battles in your life you're ever going to fight. One is the battle of your flesh. Battle of the flesh that, that does not bring any glory to God. The way you behave, the way you act, the patterns of your life. Or the other battle is the battle of the spirit. The battle of the spirit, things that please God. The enemy will never make that easy. If you have a battle, what are you saying to God about it? Are you angry? Are you incensed? Is it a knee-jerk reaction? Or are you saying, God, I don't understand this or the reason why, but I know a miracle needs to play, take place here, and I want to partner with you because the only way out is to join hands with you. The only way out is for me to get my heart in. The only way out is to rise above it in a spiritual dimension. And most miracles come to pass when we're challenged because we, we chose to stay focused upon what God desires out of our life. Usually, life is lived this way. Think about it. God's agenda for your life is revealed. As for me and my house, we intend to serve the Lord. 
Satan brings a challenge to discourage. Always, you decide to follow God and stay focused. Satan gives you a right hook. You decide to focus on God. Satan causes you to spin out of control in a downward focus. I I desire to trust God and stay. God brings you through with his purpose. And people in today's culture are looking for success stories. And why doesn't that success story come through you? Look how they manage that. Look how they work through that. Look what happened. Thirdly, you believe for the impossible. You believe for the impossible. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. Each of us liked to have those little miracles, a happy family. Um, we like children who rise up and do not curse our name, but rise up and call us blessed. Usually they're in the mid-20s when that takes place or later. Don't expect it out of your 19-year-old. If it is, it is exceptional child. Most like a positive marriage. Does anybody know what that is, a positive marriage? Sure, a positive marriage. Financial security. People like financial security. And people like a personal relationship with Christ. But these kinds of things don't happen automatically. Have you noticed that? They don't happen automatically. They happen as you and I partner with God, and God brings to pass the supernatural, supernatural touch. Partnering with God. I had a, you know, the enemy just will, I had a a person who came up to me uh, not too long ago and said, oh, are you Pastor Ryan? Yeah, 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 I am. I used to come to victory. I'm getting ready, get ready. I used to come to victory, but we, uh, we, where you go now? Now, now can, can I tell you something? Uh, I've given my life, my family's given our life to the ministry. And it's the best life ever. Amen? It's the best life ever. And I just think everybody ought to enjoy that. Amen? Everybody ought to be excited. But there's always, there's always for me, sometimes that I would, I would just like to become unhinged. You know what I'm saying? Say, you know, let, let me just share with you words of wisdom. You know, what I'm about to say to you is going to slice you up into little Nicky Cruz pieces in the cross of the switchblade. And that's what you want to do. You know, that carnal, that's what you want to do. Let me set the record straight. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. But who does that bring glory to? You. Always remember this, that in the pursuit of God, Understanding that relationship 
that people become misguided, they're sheep, and sometimes they lose their way. And unfortunately, people get crossways with the things of God. And in every event, though the enemy may not come into you like a flood, in every event, every part of your life, even if something is just an encounter with a person at a place of business, you still have to say, God, I'm not going to let the devil steal from me the preservation of my behavior as I live out my life in Jesus Christ. Amen? So how do you do when it happens to reveal his purpose and embrace? It's purpose by placing God first. He is first, passionately pursuing his person, aggressively defending and protecting that purpose, understanding it. Then like David, we along with those who we have influence over can rejoice in the fulfillment of the miracle. There are people around you that are watching how you are behaving as you walk through whatever in the world it is you are going through. They're watching. You know what they want? The majority of them want to see you come through victorious. Some who've lost their mind would like to see you fall, but listen, they don't count, hallelujah. What counts is how you lived it out and the only way you're going to be victorious when you are walking neck deep in alligators, what I'm trying to suggest to you is for the supernatural presence and power of God to show you the path out of there for God to bring to pass the miracle in your life. By the grace of God, because of David's pursuit of God, the people rejoiced when the need of the funds to build the palatal structure came in because they were of the acts to, they were of perfect, what the Bible says, they were of perfect heart, perfect heart. Now, let me give you a little personal insight. Every time we take a special offering, I fight that internal battle. The love of money is what? The root of all evil. And as a pastor, when you, of course, stand before a congregation... A couple of Baptist brothers walked back. Pastor, do you ever take more than one offering in church? I said, my gracious. I thought everybody did. You know? Because if you believe like I believe that an opportunity to give is an opportunity for the supernatural to move, I just am convicted of the fact that if I hold that back, you are missing a miracle that you could have. I'm not into religion. I'm into relationship relationships and love there are no limits to love and no limits to giving when you're in a loving relationship amen amen how many remember when you were passionate ooey gooey in love may i see your hand you remember that ooey gooey no hands okay i see you over there tell you you better get your hand up yeah, you're engaged, James. I see your hand. That's the way it should be. Amen. In a few weeks, you'll be tied up. There you go. Ooey gooey. But every time, it's okay, we're going to talk about missions. 
talking about Circle J, and Lord willing, we'll be talking about something else. But here's the deal. I don't control what God chooses to do in the lives of people. I'm a conduit. I have a strong conviction that when I get to heaven, and I don't intend to get there by the skin of my teeth, I'm going on purpose. Amen? I'm going on purpose. I'm not going because I shook the hand to some preacher sometime. And they wrote my name down in the church membership. I'm going because every single day I'm saying, God, I want you to know I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to live toward heaven, not live toward hell. Amen. A little hell might get in my way every day, but I'm living toward heaven. And so here it is. Here's what I know. That when those opportunities, so I fight that battle and say, God, how can you do do that? People have given and given and given. Here's what you assume, that everybody gave. Hello? But you know, I've been hanging out long enough to know everybody didn't give. So how does that work? Just a little education. You got to take up five different offerings to give an opportunity for 100% of the people to give. It's the way it works. Some of you are moved by Salvation Army. If I said we're taking an offering for the Salvation Army, then I'm telling you, 20% of you say, bless God, Salvation Army, here's $5,000. I love the Salvation Army. And the other 80% will say, well, Salvation Army, here's $5. Add that to what I put in the bucket at Christmas. That's it. Pass the offering plate again for another, another mission and say, this is for indigent, poor children that are starving to death. Twenty percent of the people's going to be moved for that. Eighty percent of the people said, "Well, those kids need a break. Here's a couple dollars." Present another offering need and say, "Okay, let's talk about this offering need of here. They're starving people in Indonesia. They're naked and starving." Here's another one. Twenty percent of the people's going to get big bucks. Here's another one. A tsunami just hit New York City. 20% of the people said they should have been prepared. We ain't giving nothing, no. <laughs> people are moved, and you've been a giver your whole ministry in life. You, you. That's where it's at. And so every time I pray, and I say, God, all I want to be is a conduit. I want to present the need, and I want to leave it up to God, to the heart of people, to say, I'm touched by that. And whatever the results are, to God be the glory. So that's a battle, so you know, that I often fight. But how many of you know I'm doing a pretty good job at not listening to the devil? Amen? Go ahead. Go ahead. There you go. There you go. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments together. We've learned some things. We learned that uh, what it was to be at the top of his game, David. We learned the uh, we learned the value of know what it is to seek forgiveness and repent. We 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 learned what it means that that we don't control people. We understand that our life is a testimony. It's an open book. It's a sermon. We learn God of what it means to partner with you, to partner with you in a way that you can use us 
to overcome the challenges that we face. We stand on your word and we still declare, Jesus, you are the sweetest name that we know. And God, though we have prayed a thousand times for a particular need, we still believe that you're going to answer prayer. And God, though we have gained some success, and many have in this room, success is a, a fainting goal to put our arms around. It's here today and could be gone tomorrow. It's a vapor. But one thing does not change. One thing does not shake. One thing that does not crumble. It's standing on the foundation of who we are in Jesus. And knowing that you have the ability to choose to use us to bring to pass the miraculous touch of a loving God. So we stand on your word and we thank you. Just in case you're here and you're not right with Jesus, I want to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. Would you do that, dear Jesus? Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive me. I've sinned. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. And I know you were not pleased. But I did it anyway. But right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Take my rebellion away. Take my stubbornness away. And create in me a passionate heart that seeks your face. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have here, and we're going to sing. And then we're going to benediction. But I, I, in my heart of hearts, I want to ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I'm going to ask you if you feel, because I really do, out of acts of obedience, out of acts of obedience, uh, that in the simple things, that simple acts of obedience, that God honors, He honors. And I practiced that, tried to my whole life. I messed up. Oh, Lord, you, you just don't know. Big time. But I said to my wife the other day, I need to tell you this. I feel like God spoke to me about this issue. She said, well, well you know, why? Why do you, you think that was the Lord? I said, Here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you fail... To be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Then you become worried about the outcome. And if you begin to live your life in spiritual progress, worried about making a mistake, you will die spiritually. But if you say, God, I'm going to be vulnerable here. And that's what happens every time we give an altar call. You get to say, God, I believe you're using me. So you come, and then I'll give you the benediction. Stay with us. Would you do that? Everybody together, sing with us. I give myself away.
Hallelujah. I give myself away so you can use We're going to wait on you for just a moment. Away. Here we go. I give myself away so you can use me. Here I am. Here I am. us now everybody give myself away hallelujah I give myself away so you can use me I give myself away I give myself away so you can Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these folk who are here tonight. I thank you for the many, many online. God, we have not compromised the preaching of the word of God. We have shared it and given it out. And Lord, every member of Victory Church, what happens out of this pulpit is they become responsible for it. God, because it's food that came from their shepherd into their spiritual lives. So God, when we miss it, we missed a meal that could have been a meal that made a huge difference in someone's life. Would you just minister to every single need? Would you meet the need? And Lord, there are some that, that their, life, their life needs a defining miracle in the name of the Lord. God, I pray you will drive back the enemy, reward them for their faithfulness and their diligence, and begin to give them little sun rays coming through the cloud of darkness to let them know, hallelujah, that affirms their faith to believe you are moving in their behalf. This week, I expect that to happen in the lives of many who are listening right here, right now. Now, God, keep your hand upon Circle J again tomorrow. Give those students, give every worker, give them all a special divine anointing. God, we thank you for that. We're looking for great results. And then next week, may we pour into this place. And may we be evangelists all week, reaching out to dads, to neighbors, to men. God, oh God, our own family members, bring them on in. What a great day it's going to be. And we're going to exalt you and lift you up. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Oh, sing because I give myself away. I give myself away. Give 
Give myself. 